Traveling the Vortex. Join the doctor as she travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 339. I suppose politeness can cover a multitude of sins. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> I'm well. I'm also well. <laughs> I'm tired, but you know, that's how it goes. Oh, so well. Why are you tired, Keith? Oh, you know, just parenthood. Fatherhood, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> More than anything else. Happy two-week birthday. Thank you. Not you. Well, she can't speak. So <laughs> I'm speaking on her behalf. Thank you. Speak on her behalf. <laughs> did you guys have a good week? I did have a good week. It, well, I had a mostly good week. It was really long and very full. And then Shy got sick and it was kind of terrible. But, you know. What did, what did she have? I don't know. She's just, just running. The, running I, we wondered for a while. Maybe just it was the just, crud, huh? Yeah, just teeth coming in. Because she oh, always gets the temperature and everything. But she hasn't been able to hold anything down the last two days. So it's kind of, she's just miserable. And today she slept all day. Oh. She must be growing. Is that what you think it is? <laughs> At least the sleeping part. Okay. She can stop know. that anytime now. <laughs> Which one was this one? This was apes. Yeah. We, we got to sneak away and see apes too. Nope. Nope. Not yet. Okay. So what'd you think? It was good. I'm still processing it. I think I am too. <laughs> it was really, really good. I don't know if it was. I don't know if I liked it as much as Dawn. I don't think I did either. I don't think it was as good of a film as Dawn. For the listener, we're talking about War of the Planet. But War of the Planet. Of the war, Apes, for, war for the, the Planet, Planet of the Apes. Apes. Yes. Again, I mean, I'm. So it's 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 a phenomenal movie, and I I kind of in a way agree with the one reviewer that said it is the most satisfying conclusion to a movie trilogy ever. There's a part of me that agrees with that, but I, I also really think that like it's how just it ended either just because. I mean, it goes in line with other endings for the entire franchise, but those aren't necessarily my favorite endings anyways, so... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're dancing around it. Yeah. So. It's it's good. It's very, very good. It's very it's much worth seeing. much darker than I anticipated. Adi really wanted to go with us, so we said, all right, we'll, we'll let you go with us, and he laughed about halfway through because it was too much for him to handle. And this is a kid who's watched Logan. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But that being said, it, it's dark, but it's really well done. Andy Serkis continually deserves an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. And this one even more so than previous. It's just his performance is phenomenal. And it was nice that Steve Zahn's Bad Ape kind of lightened some of yeah. the movie. He was really good. I was really, he was the part of the film I was the most apprehensive about. And I think walked away liking the most. I would agree with that. But two thumbs up. It was good. Two opposable thumbs up. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to do the very quick breakdown of everything that we did. I'd forgot to mention that two weeks ago we went to the Evil Knievel Museum when it opened. Oh. Which is really cool. They opened an Evil Knievel Museum here in Topeka, Kansas. And if you're a motorcycle fan or an Evil Knievel fan or not really but just kind of curious, it's totally worth going to and checking out. I was never a huge fan, but Evil was one of the, I mean, Glenn probably, you know, when you're of that age in that year, you just kind of, Evil's a hero of some type. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. The time I was about five to the time I was about seven or eight. Yeah. He was one of my heroes. I mean, 
he was always on TV jumping something. I had the little wind-up Evil Knievel <laughs> toy that you spin the little thing, and you put him on there, and it spins the back wheel, and then you push a button, and it takes off. And... I had that, too. I don't know what happened to it. They had that in the museum, and I wish I still had it, because <laughs> it's all touchscreen, interactive, like timeline of jumps, and oh, he crashed on this one, which I don't think Evil ever stuck a landing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole wall of video monitors where you can watch him wipe out one after another, after including the Caesar's Palace, where he just goes ragdoll and bounces across the parking lot. <laughs> but then there's a thing where you can touch and it'll come up with his zoom in x ray and show you what was broken. And <laughs> I mean, it's. Huh. It's pretty cool. And then the tractor trailers and stuff in, in there. A bunch of his bikes. and I mean, it's it's a nice, nicely done... Jumpsuits. Jump, a lot of jumpsuits. Helmets. A lot of helmets. But it's, it's very cool. We were pleased with that. Watched Rise and Dawn leading up to War. I didn't rewatch Rise, but I rewatched Dawn. Something wrong with you. <laughs> Rise is a fine film. Oh, no. no I, I thoroughly enjoy Rise. It's more the fact that I didn't have a digital copy of Rise so I could watch it at work. Oh, uh, that could be. I went out to with the, some of the guys to go see Alien Covenant because it was mm. the apparently last day at the cheap theater, which was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be and not nearly as good as I hoped. It explains a <laughs> lot of Prometheus, which is kind of what I wanted. And then it turns into your pretty standard Alien movie. Um, and Ridley Scott, I think, is really trying hard to distance himself from aliens. He's kind of trying to make his alien thing a thing and... Oh. damn everybody else. And it's like, I don't know how I feel about that, Ridley. But, you know, it was still entertaining. And then we also went out and saw... Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Homecoming. Which was very good. Glenn was right. I don't say that often. <laughs> Unfortunately, at this point, it looks like it's probably going to be like our anniversary till we can hopefully be at the cheap theater about that point. That we can get out it it, it was a lot of fun. And maybe because I'm not as big a Spider-Man fan as he is, I didn't feel like it was, the, you know, the second coming of Marvel. Oh, my God, I'm so glad I went, you know... I enjoyed I it. I came across that way last I don't week. Think so either, but. Well, I just there are some people out there that are it's that got, way with every it's Marvel the film. Second you know. highest tomato rating of the Marvel films. See, only I don't one, know that I would go that Iron far Man. with it. I don't I, know I that I go that Winter far. Soldier with it. is way too low on that list, anyways. But. but it was it was good. It was a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. It was very funny. This is the one for the Marvel MCU that starts to do comic book timeline. Because there are set dates within this film that when you really start to break it in, you go, wait a minute, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's okay. It's a comic book movie. I'm not going to... Tom Holland was great. Uh, you know, all the performances were really good. It's a great twist near the end. Wow. Didn't see that coming. It's good. Cameos. Did you enjoy the cameos? I did enjoy the Did you stay through all of the credits? Yeah. The, oh my God, you got to stay through all of the credits. <laughs> it's a Marvel movie. It's of a, course I'm going to. <laughs> well, it's a Sony movie. but <laughs> no, It's a Marvel It's also a Marvel and movie. And credits are very meta. Are they? Make nice. sure you stay through. There's two. There's a mid and a poet. Make sure you stay for both of them. That's all I'm going to say. All right. But yeah, that was great. And then uh, we went to Crypticon this uh, weekend uh, today, and uh, which is the horror convention that was in Kansas City that wasn't in Kansas City. It was in St. Joe. By any means, it's been in Kansas City every year until this year. It was moved to St. Joseph, which is about 40 miles away from Kansas City. Yeah. As customary, we spent about two hours at Crypticon because it's a, mainly a horror con, and that's not really our thing. But we got to see Sam Jones. I met Flash Gordon. <laughs> he was so awesome. And Dirk Benedict, which, man, when I am his age, I hope I look that good. He is incredibly well-preserved for smoking cigars nonstop. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Weenby Davies, who was the cigarette uh, smoking man, 
who is not as well preserved for smoke is apparently that's the difference. If you smoke cigars, you're okay. If you smoke cigarettes, you, you, well, you, you, you age. Don't, you're not supposed to inhale the cigars, so maybe that's the difference. <laughs> that's a, that's apparently difference, the difference. Yeah. Um, we missed out on Jeffrey Combs. He had already left, uh, so we we missed out on him. He was kind of my fifth, uh, but the the other one, the fourth one, was Dead Raimi. Uh, so I went boom, 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 got my autographs and was all happy and. We kind of wandered around for just a bit and was like, okay, we're done. Let's go see Abe's. <laughs> so that was my very full week. Wow, that was a very full week. Glenn, you guys doing anything? Speaking of Sam Jones, I did watch Ted this week. First time? Yeah. And? I, it's enjoyable. I It's not as um, coarse as I thought it would be, being a uh, Seth MacFarlane. It's coarse, but it's... <laughs> it, not, as, not as bad. Not as, it's it kind of goes as, up to that line. It's it not as rude yeah. as I expected it to be. Mm. but um, I mean, it's coarse, but it, was not, it didn't get as rude as I expected for a Seth MacFarlane film. Um, but it's funny. It's enjoyable. And I actually look forward to seeing the Ted 2 now. I had no desire to see either, either one of them. And on your recommendation of just see it because of Sam Jones, I was <laughs> like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it, the whole movie was Sam Jones was a nice treat, but it was it was an enjoyable film. I think I also liked it because there's a lot of those little '80s references, the, the Flash Gordon stuff, and I mean they obviously grew up in the same era as I, and that was kind of cool. But the Patrick Stewart cameo at the beginning was yeah. kind of awesome. Yep, that was pretty much it. We went to Fiesta this weekend, which we do every year. Took the kids to the carnival after we ate, and we had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Other than apes, we just we did the first at home bath. Should not go very well. Huh? She screamed her head off the whole time. Did not like bath time, huh? But we th- realized after the fact of we didn't feed her first, so it was probably more hunger than anything else. Mm. So we're going to do a do-over <laughs> probably next week. Take a mulligan on that one. Yeah, pretty much. Hopefully she won't be like, wait a minute, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Other than that, not much of anything. we got to hurry up and finish this so I can go and watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. It'll exciting. probably be Wednesday before I get to I am it. excited. Ours won't be till tomorrow. I have to watch it at night because the kids have to be in bed. <laughs> Did you see that post on Facebook of, yes, it's okay to put your kids to bed early so you can watch Game of Thrones? I didn't see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Let's move on to mu- m- Muse. To Muse? To Muse now. Muse. That should be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the news, it's the Muse. Obviously, the big news, if you've been anywhere on the internet, the 13th Doctor has been announced. Yay! Yay. Jodie Whittaker. Who? She, I think a lot of people said that, especially <laughs> in the U.S. Is best known for her role as Beth Latimer in Broadchurch. So she's the kid's mom, yes? I don't that not know. That is correct. Okay. I knew one of you would know the answer to that. I still haven't seen Broadchurch, but that's right. I did some poking around to find out who the heck she was. <laughs> Let's first tackle how the BBC handled the announcement. Do you think they handled the announcement well, or do you think they've kind of botched it? Uh, I thought they handled it really well because I would, I was, I was. I don't know how to answer that because I don't didn't. You didn't have any. I didn't have any forethought of that. Okay. You mean other than having like a live announcement with Peter Capaldi? Yeah, unlike doing oh, it that oh. way. You don't and, even consider and, that. And having the announcement video of it's coming, and then we get the actual video of her showing up. I was fine with that. And I, I don't know about you guys. Of course, I didn't go looking to see what kind of odds on the bookies or anything was. I didn't see this name floated around before, before the announcement. I guess it was. Um, it was like, but I it saw, was way down after, the list. After the fact, I saw some last minute. And I think I posts. saw. I think I saw that it was way down the list because, or that she was even on the list because she was in Broadchurch, and they had pretty much listed a whole bunch of people from Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. There was one list I saw that it was like a last minute addition from the bookies between the announcement video and this video. Mm. 
But I saw that after the fact. So I was thoroughly pleased with how they handled the announcement. The videos were cool. Because the the live events seemed so anticlimactic last time. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point. And I think maybe that's why I was okay with the way they announced it this time. I did suspect there would be a live announcement. But I think they, they did it but... kind of in... Well, yes. But I think they <laughs> did it in... I mean, they did it on the heels of the, the Wimbledon men's final, which I love the irony of that, <laughs> that it was the Wimbledon men's finals. So when they did it that way, I just was just kind of assumed that that, that was going to be how it would be presented was a quick blurb as to, mm-hmm. hey, and this is who it is. I don't think I expected it the way they did it, but it, in hindsight, it makes sense based on the way they announced the announcement. So. Yeah. Well, the live event, while cool, was, I mean, you got to put together a half hour show to really have five minutes of, oh yeah, you know, so there was a lot of buildup, a lot of suspense and a lot of, okay. Well, and, and then they, they just, they, they paraded in old stars and fans and it seemed to be a lot of time killers. You're, I think you're padding. Saying, yeah. yeah. So this was kind of the way to do it. Here's a video. Ooh, it's coming. Oh, it's her. Okay. Yeah. And now we're left. I still, I still wish in a way that we would have done the whole, Wait until we Christmas. don't know and yeah, Christmas comes and the regeneration happens, but we don't get to see who it is. There was that and you still have to wait longer. Guess what? I would you have can't loved blame that, but... anybody for no, them no. not doing no, no, that no, no, no. because this is how they've announced the doc, the next doctor all the way back through the classic series. They announced Patrick Troughton before he came. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how they did John Pertwee. They definitely announced Tom Baker. I've seen the video of them announcing Peter Davison. I've seen the video of them announcing Colin Baker. And they all were announced as yeah. the previous doctor was on the air. So yeah. They I don't, took I don't Sylvester on a bus tour. Yeah. They've <laughs> even brought him over here and toured him around. It just would have been a really neat way to do it. And a way to do it differently had they yeah. not announced it in advance. I was kind of still hoping that they would surprise us with it, considering that quote just this past week, I think since we recorded last, that Rachel Talalay said said that she reportedly didn't know who was cast. If the director of the Christmas special doesn't know who it is, come on, let's keep it under wraps and give us a surprise. But I'm still okay. It's great news, I think. I think it's a welcome change for what we've had in the past, and it's not what I expected to happen either. As far as well, let's who, go to the second part of your thing. We've talked about selected. the yeah. we talked about the reveal. Let's talk about the reveal now. What do you think? I'm excited. I haven't seen her. In, I've only seen her in one thing. I don't remember her in that. So now I want to go back and rewatch that and see if see her and see some of her acting. But I have to have faith that Chibnall chose the best actor or actress for the part and didn't do it as a stunt. My <laughs> only concern is that it might be a stunt, cast, which I don't think it will be. Yeah, I didn't even consider the stunt casting thing because I think because he's worked with her before. And I, exactly. When I, I'll say the, the other thing is, I think you, you can't get away without saying, I think stunt casting's the wrong word. Yeah. But I think there's still a bit of necessity, change of necessity. Mm-hmm. I think the BBC, for 50 some, 53 years now, we've had a male in the lead. If we're going to freshen up the show, if we're going to change things, if we're going to do something different... A female doctor makes sense. And I think that while that's not really stunt casting, that's almost casting in necessity. And so I can I can lean to that way and say this was something that was done yeah. purposefully. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about her. But I think based on the fact that Chibnall, this is who he wanted. I think based on her acting credits, she must be the right choice. Yeah, she, she's going to be. Uh, what I will not do is I will not sit here and say, 
well, this is just ruining Doctor Who, oh, and not. I'm not going to watch it because nobody's given her a chance. I mean, you got to at least put her in the role and let her perform before you make a decision on whether she's going to be well, a good look, doctor. Or oh, not. Look, look no, at how you many don't. People had that reaction with Matt Smith too. Yeah. Look he's at this, too young. Look at this yeah. emo young kid. And he was the exact opposite when he showed up on screen. Oh, and Capaldi showed up. They were all saying he's too old. He's too old. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been online to see the reaction, but I like to think in my head that it's that small vocal minority that are just against change in general or any kind of upset to the status quo they don't like. I so. hope that's what it is. I, I fear it isn't. I remember when this was discussed back when Capaldi, just before he was announced, and the idea of a female Doctor started getting floated, that was something to the effect of one quarter of Doctor Who fans would be against a female Doctor. And I I don't know. I mean, it comes I want back... To, I, want to, I want that polling done now that a female master's been around, though. Yeah, that's you true, because it was that before that. Because I would agree. That makes a difference. I would agree, and I think Moffat took a bold move by changing the sex of the master. And I think that that was probably, at least subconsciously for some, a testing ground as oh, to yeah. whether it could be done and if it could be done satisfactory and i agree i think uh, uh, that poll should be done again to find out i unfortunately for the sake of this topic of discussion can't say much because every time i saw a negative comment i turned away to find a positive comment because that's what i would rather focus on is the positive yeah, yeah. and so i don't i'm like you i don't know how many people out there are complaining about this i have seen a few it's it's hard to miss some of them <laughs> if the doctor becoming a female is a problem you have with the show fortunately we all have the option we don't live in nazi germany you can turn the tv oh, off yeah. you don't have to watch it that's great you can just skip this but i think the and... one thing that people are missing that i especially hit home with me being the father of a young lady is there was a video that's going around twitter now i don't know if you've seen it it was it's called my daughter's reaction to the doctor's announcement and it's a little girl sitting there and all you see is her face and obviously she's watching today's announcement trailer watching 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 and then there's a moment where there's a little bit of surprise and then she turns to the camera and with the biggest smile ever says the doctor is a girl <laughs> and that's when it hit me that this is why it matters yeah. that the doctor can be a male a female black white any color because there are so many people that the doctor is their hero and if there's one more thing that they can they can identify with the doctor then all the more all the better absolutely and being the father of a, a young lady now who has grown up with both in, in an era with strong male leads and strong female leads. We've got the, the two Star Wars films recently that have had very strong female leads. It's very encouraging for me as a father that my daughter has somebody to look up to that she identifies with and can do just as good of a job as a, as a male in this world. So, What does she think of the news? The interesting thing is I was up. Holly had a rough night, so she's asleep on the couch when, the, when I was watching the announcement. So I watched it and Holly woke up and I said, so do you want to know who the doctor, new doctor is? And she goes, is this somebody I know? And I said, no, she's not somebody you know. And she goes, oh. (laughs) She goes, okay. And so I told her the name. She says, yeah, I don't know who that is. She says, we'll see. She says, the only thing that I'm concerned about is that they write the stories better. She says, I don't care who the doctor is. The only thing I can care about is that they write the stories better than they did last season. I said, okay. So then Mason comes out. And this one was interesting. He came out and I said, do you want to know who the new doctor is? And he goes, sure. 
And I said, well, I'm not sure you'll know who she is, but it's Jodie Whittaker. And he goes, wait a minute, a girl? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I think maybe I'll like the show better now. Which that's for my son. That's for my nine-year-old son. And I thought, oh, wow, that was a refreshing response from yeah. a little boy. So then I go, and finally wake Caitlin up, who finally gets up at about 11 today. And I, I wake her up and I said, do you want to know who the new, new doctor is? And she goes, sure. And I said, well, it's Jodie Whittaker. And she goes, that's a girl. And I said, yeah. And she goes, you know what? I knew it was either going to be a girl or a minority male. <laughs> she, she was just except she was like, that's what it's going to be. They're either going to go this way or that way. So she wasn't surprised at all. Yeah. Which then uh, I talked to her later and she says, yes. And she kind of said the same thing that Ollie did. She says, as long as they're good stories, it doesn't matter who plays the doctor. That's right. So that's exactly right. So I think they're all very, none of them were ecstatic except for Mason, who thinks he'll like the show better. But um, none of them were, you know, super excited with that revelation, but they were all very pleased with the announcement. It kind of goes back to what I've always said. I just want a good actor. I don't know if she is or not. I'm assuming she is. I'll find out. Yeah. You know, that's 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 my one requirement. <laughs> Show up. Do the work. Okay. Be good. <laughs> I'm a little, I don't know, I almost hate to say this in a way because I'll come across as the curmudgeonly one, but... If it's not the stunt casting, but if it's done for that political, or we just think it's time that we have a woman doctor, I, I kind of feel like maybe you're going about it wrong. Well, you know, so I mean, I, it, well, it's traditionally male. Well, you know what? You guys also have that weird pudding that you put money in at Christmas. And that's a horrible tradition. So not just because it's <laughs> traditional doesn't mean it's good. But if you're doing it because, yeah, we think she's a great actress and we just think she's going to wow you. Okay, cool. I'm on board with that. Absolutely. I have no problem with that change. Yeah. But if you're doing it because of that, you know, quote unquote political agenda that, well, we just think it's time that we have a woman in the role. Well, now you're, I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. Luckily, but I don't think Chibnall is. He, I don't want to believe he is. There's, there's a quote from him saying, I always knew I wanted the 13th Doctor to be a woman. And we're thrilled to have secured our number one choice. Her audition for the Doctor simply blew us all away. Jodie is an in-demand, funny, inspiring, super smart force of nature and will bring loads of wit, strength, and warmth to the role. The 13th Doctor is on her way. See, I think... See, it makes it sound like... You, you, I you, always knew I wanted the 13th Doctor to be a woman. Almost sounds like you went into it with an agenda. No, it sounds like he went into it with, okay... I want her to be a woman. It's not... My concern was more of the BBC saying, you need her to be a woman. You need, you need to right. make the doctor a woman. That it was that sort of thing, not this. I imagine the BBC the probably didn't is, want though, that, if, if, quite honestly. If we're allowed to think, and that this isn't wrong in your thinking, but if we're allowed to think, I just want the best person for the role. Yeah, we obviously, we all want the best person for the role. But if you don't have somebody that, that steps in and says... I like it to be a woman. If you don't have that, you, you never shatter somehow. that ceiling, that glass ceiling. That's the problem is until somebody steps up and gives change a chance, that's the agenda. Change. Give it a chance. Give somebody else an opportunity. Don't stick with the old norms. Don't do So yes, you have to make that step to break that glass ceiling first. Then you say, who's the best of the best that we've got now that we've made that decision? So I think you have to be the one. Somebody has to. Somebody somewhere had to be the one to say, maybe we ought to let women be firefighters. Maybe we ought to let women be um, pilots in the military or, or in the, on, on the ground in battle. Maybe we ought to 
there, there are women that want to do this. Why don't we do this? You have to have somebody that says, let's make that a thing. And that is agenda driven, but it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be this bad. Well, it's politically correct. So we have to balance the scales. We went through desegregation in our schools in the United States because somebody had to say, why don't we let black kids and white kids learn in the same classroom on an equal playing field, on an equal scale? Why don't we make everybody even, make everybody part? You have to have somebody to say that. So I don't think anybody that says, well, I hope this wasn't just agenda motivated. I hope it was because I'd like to get to a day down the future where we don't have to say, why aren't we giving women a chance? Why aren't we giving minorities a chance? Why aren't we giving older people a chance? I don't, I want a society where everybody is looked at as the same, that they are played to their strengths because of their genders, but we also are equal in our opportunities for everyone so that women have the opportunity to achieve in a world where men have always been the dominant sex and we're in this such a men 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 society even now in 2017 we've come a long way in the last hundred years but somebody has to step in and say let's give a woman a chance and so i 100 agree with you i don't want to come i don't want to even remotely make it anyone don't make it sound like i'm I, I think my problem is that i feel like at least and on my perspective, I'm already in that world because I don't see a difference. I don't see the why is it such a big deal? Exactly. Why? Why is? Why is this still a thing? Why haven't we moved beyond this yet? Why is it still a male-driven culture? Why is it this? And I'm already questioning those things. So when I see news like this, that oh, and just for the record, kids, not the first female doctor. Let's throw some credit where credit is due to Moffat and Joanna Lumley. <laughs> so uh, this is the first official canonized female doctor yeah. i'll give you that anyone else think her hair in this in the video is kind of similar to joanna lumley's a little bit yeah. <laughs> shorter but it's but yeah think, no i'm 100 I'm with you i just the, the other thing i have to say is and, and i'm just going to use a personal experience is i a k-state football player came out on espn this last week and announced that he was gay and he was talking about how he was being he was so well accepted by his teammates and I thought, oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad. And somebody, and I'm not going to name names because they're not in this room. Somebody <laughs> at my work said, oh, you're not at my work anymore anyway. Yeah. Somebody at my work said, you know, when is this going, you know, it, wh is it a big deal now? Why do we have to make it a big deal that homosexuals are coming out in sports? Why do we have to do that? And I looked at that from the places. I'd like it to be the fact that everybody's norm and they don't have to come out, but it will not no longer be that when homosexuals don't feel or LGBT community members don't feel persecuted and feel like they have enough role models in society, in sports, when females feel they have enough role models in society, in television, in sports, anything, that's when it will be the norm. And when somebody says, well, why do they have to keep coming out and making a big deal about it? That's as bad because as saying... Because you're still asking that exactly, question. Exactly, because yeah. you're still asking that question. Yeah. And when it comes to the point that you do ask that question, because it has happened before, it's, this isn't the first time, but it's because you still have a class of citizens that feel persecuted or have the need to be 
you know, feel as second class students, uh, citizens. They're not, but they feel like they're second class citizens when we're still in that society. And women, to that, some degree, uh, that's why I'm connected, is to some degree, women are still treated as second class citizens. And so that's exactly why. I'm sorry, I got no, no, no. Box here. I just. <laughs> No, we, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And you can call me a snowflake, you can call me a social justice warrior, and I will own both of those titles. <laughs> <laughs> and a feminist. And a feminist. I don't know if I can go that far. <laughs> <laughs> calling him a feminist? Hey, calling him a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. And like, I'm sorry, guys, a message for any of you out there that are like, oh, they ruined Doctor Who. You know what? We don't need you in the fandom, quite honestly. If your experience with Doctor Who has not taught you anything about tolerance, about change, about acceptance. acceptance. Yep. You don't need to be watching the show anyway because you missed the point. Just like all these rabid fanboys that are piling up on the Star Trek Discovery bandwagon. I hate Discovery. Why? Well, look at all these women on charge of the ship. And? <laughs> so What? Look at all these Star Wars fanboys. Are there. Oh, man, I can't believe that Ray is the hero of this film. What happened to my Star Wars? And? You seriously don't think Leo was the hero of that film? Or the original? I mean, get a life, guys. Deal with it. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, and that's fine. But it comes back to what I was saying is, you also have the choice to step away from it. You have the choice to not watch it. You have the choice... I understand the inherent ownership that fans feel they have with their fandoms because they've embraced it for so long. But you've also got to understand that there are just as many people out there that are love this idea and you, you don't own it yourself. It's not just yours. It's everybody's. I tell you, I do feel for her from the standpoint that all of the, the, the newer series actors have commented on how constantly under the microscope you are. That just who fans are rabid. And that a lot of them weren't prepared for that shift. Well, Now she's got that double whammy because there's a portion of fandom out there that's rooting for her to fail. Which is unfair, but it, they are. There's a portion of fandom that's on the fence. And some of them may be rooting for her to fail just because they want to see the train wreck. Hmm. And then she's got her supporters, which, you know, we're great. Yeah, all right, let's do this. But the pressure that she's got to be under now to, to come to work and deliver the A-game, I, I don't envy that. Well, not just I her, mean, for Chibnall, too, to make sure he's delivering quality stuff for her to do. Yeah. I think that's just as important. I, I would hope that Holly and the kids, no matter how they felt about Series 10, thought Capaldi's performances were always spectacular. So, I well, mean, there's Holly that. And, Holly and Caitlin. Mason, Mason has been, <laughs> been he's a, been a fan of it no matter what no matter what but so he watches Doctor Who the right way just along for the ride and enjoys yeah. it but so there is a lot to be said that she could come in and knock it out of the park but if the stories aren't up to snuff unfortunately to some extent it's going to be taken out on her by the fans right at least some of the fans who aren't as with it to understand that it's not her that it's the showrunner and the writer so there, there's dual high pressure there not just for her. Oh, knock on wood. I, I wish her the best of luck. I'm excited. I cannot wait to see what the new season holds. I'm angry because I'm going to have to wait. That's one thing I it's just, I don't I don't have a lot of success with waiting. I'm a very impatient individual. I take it one step farther and I say just step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. Yeah. There's no there's no need for luck here if she's a competent actress. 
Chibnall's a competent showrunner, and they have competent writers on that show, the show's going to be a success. No matter who's in that role or what they're doing with it, as long as they do their best and just knock it out of the park. Here, and, and regardless of how people feel about it, I do hope that it kind of breathes some new life into the show a little bit. That any fans who have, may have fallen off, regardless of why or how they feel about this new casting, that they might come back for this new this new season just to see what they do, yep. just out of curiosity, and that, that can only be a good thing because then people, more people might stick around and the show might grow even more, or it could bring some brand new viewers on. Oh, the Doctor's a woman. Let's see what that's about. Is it far too early to do, uh, speculate on the companion dynamic? Yeah, it might I, be. I, I think I'm not going to step in and comment about this because I think that it's a wait and see. But there are been a lot of people that say that maybe there needs to be a balance of... That's uh, what I expect. Since there's a, a, a female doctor, maybe there ought to be a male companion because we haven't had many of those recently. I, I don't know if there's one. I need one way or the other. I'd have to wait and see what the dynamic was. Smarter people than me will figure that out, but... I would agree. I would. I, I expect a male companion, but if it's not going to be, I'm fine with that too. Speaking of male companions, I was thinking about season 10 a little bit this past week. And a thought occurred to me, and this is just rampant thought and speculation on my part. I don't, I've not done any research to see if any of this is true. But because of the way Bill was treated through most of the season, I want, part of me wondered if Moffat didn't want a female companion... And just wanted Nardole to be the main companion. And that he kind of got pressured to know we need a female on the show more than Missy in this little part she's going to have. What do you mean by the way she was treated? Well, there's, there's, I've seen a lot of stuff online that, especially in the LGBT fandom part, that felt like the character wasn't done justice. Especially the way it was handled in this season. justice or was underserved? Well, a little bit of both. And the way that she was... The way her character was handled, especially in the season finale, the two-parter. Okay. Being killed off. Well, a little bit, yeah, in the fact that... In air quotes. And the, the, the level of violation that was done to her, especially in uh, the penultimate episode, I just blanked on the name, of being shot through the chest and then being com- forced to go through all this process and then made into a Cyberman and just all of this stuff they felt, because they connected so much with her... Uh, Personally, okay. they okay. felt like it was okay. a vast violation okay. of the character. You. I'm with you. And I don't think they would have felt that way if it was Nardle. <laughs> Pardon me, just this is a random thought I had while mowing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who could say. Yeah, um, uh, if well, Moffat could, but <laughs> and I don't think he ever would. I don't I mean, think he's he would. too classy of a guy <laughs> yeah. to be like, yeah, I didn't want to do that, but they made me. Right. Huh. Hmm. Just a random thought. Did you happen to see, uh, spe- speaking of male companions, did you happen to see Matt Lucas uh, tweeted out that uh, he was thinking of cosplaying as Nardle at uh, San Diego Comic-Con? <laughs> just, just just without the costume? <laughs> it's like, darn it, Matt Lucas, you're kind of winning me over here. You just yeah. need to stop. Even more. It was all more. set to be mad at you forever. But no, you turned into a pretty decent guy. <laughs> See what writing will do for a character that we don't yeah. think we're going to like? Yep. <laughs> Let's move on to feedback, because there's no more news. There's no more news? Uh, nothing as big as that, anyways. Our first bit of feedback comes from Mark. Mark sent in some audio. Let's give it a listen. Keith, 
happy, no, not happy birthday, what am I saying? You have a kid, uh, congrats, that's all this video is really about. I just wanted to say congrats and keep it up. What do you say to people in this scenario? Now I don't know how to end the video. It feels like, oh, one sec. Right, um, I'll, I'll end this message on a little song. Um, it's called Congrats Keith. It's a sad song, apparently. I can't play guitar, I'm just in a studio at the minute, and there was one there. You hear about those people who are just naturally gifted, and I was kind of hoping I'd be brilliant at guitar, you know, one of those first-time lucky kind of things. I feel like that's a bit of a letdown. Congrats, Keith. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> it's good to hear from you, Mark. It yeah. is. And thank you, I, thank I, you I was, very much for the congratulations. I was missed sort your of, smiling face. I was sort of help, hoping there that um, you would be some sort of you know prodigy and <laughs> would be able to play a song, but um, didn't quite work out. But that was funny. That was very funny. Yes, we'll take it. And I, did you notice he kept saying video? Yeah, <laughs> and I kept looking back, going, it's, I don't it's see an audio. video. This is audio. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, you didn't get video? You got video? I got video. Oh, how are we going to post that? There was sparklers and balloons and <laughs> a mariachi band. Oh, too bad the viewers can't see it. Oh, it was, uh, it was so awesome. I don't know what his effects budget was, but it was outstanding. Our next bit of feedback comes from Scott. Scott writes, the future is female. Hello, Kansas crew. Happy Sunday. So I was watching Wimbledon. Federer was winning, again. So I turned off the TV. And yeah. did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> if you recall, I had the right show, Broadchurch, wrong female lead. That's right. Not yep. Coleman, but Jody Whitaker. Wow. Actually, since I started hearing her name just this weekend, I've been looking for more of her work. I can tell you she co-starred with Peter O'Toole and Venus. Watch some of the latest third series of Broadchurch and some of her TV interviews for other shows. She hasn't done much where she feels like a lead role character, but that's true of many of the best doctors. It's interesting that the BBC went for a recorded reveal instead of some live event. Was it worry over a negative reaction? Looking at reactions on YouTube, I'm surprised that most of the negative comments I've heard came from women. What have you guys noticed? In any case, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. A male companion? How much are they going to redo the Doctor? For example, a sonic lipstick instead of a screwdriver? Will the BBC market her like Barbie with lots of dresses and a dream house? Ha ha ha, I pray not. Actually, I'm hoping something Edwardian steampunkish trousers included. I hope to hear more ideas from you and the other listeners. Have a great day. Scott from Philadelphia. You know, I have seen a couple of comments from women, and I think that they had some valid points that were upset and i think one specifically that was pointed out to me was the joking on the behalf of the fact that it, it was a male that went to a female it might be overdone and pushed and i can kind of see mm -hmm. that concern where that might become the punchline for far too long maybe if they wanted to lightly deal with it at the beginning like the ginger comment type thing but i can kind of see where if the writers don't handle it right that there might be an issue where it looks like then it comes into looking more like the stunt casting. That's the, 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 the name you could kind of put on it there. 
But I think if they carry the joke of gender change too far, that could be detrimental. And I think that is the concern of, of at least some of the women that I have seen that are, were upset with the change. Is that is it going to be at the um, sake of, of making a joke about it, being the butt of the joke? And so I can see that concern, but that was the only ones that I was pointing to that were female. I haven't really seen any comments, so... I suspect Sarah, Sarah was surprised, but is excited to see what they do. I suspect as long as, you know, if the first line is, well, this is new, and then you just leave it at that. I mean, yes, maybe every time you bring back a previous companion or monster, somebody who is familiar with the Doctor, are you going to have to explain it? Well, they don't really explain every time he changes his appearance. Right. So... Well, and they didn't really... Granted, she didn't seem to interact with a whole bunch of previous people she knew but they 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 had one little bit with the with missy and that was about it yeah. until, the, until his, her previous self showed up right there that really was nothing that could have easily been pushed too far and i don't yeah. think it was but you're right it is readdressed but then but it's also his, her former self yeah so exactly it's, and it's it's being done in kind of a snark it's uh, almost more excusable too when it's you're talking well, to yourself yeah maybe, i expect yeah. a joke when if you bring david Tennant back uh, in a multi-doctor episode, then I do expect a joke. Yeah. I, 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 just because of I don't want the doctor's Davros ego, to make some kind of comment. Yeah, no, I, just because of the doctor's ego, because there's always a joke at the other's expense when they get together, regardless of which doctor it is. It'd be great if that joke isn't about her being a woman; it's about some other aspect of her character. Yeah, I would actually. Now that I'm thinking of this, it'd be kind of, kind of, kind of cool to bring back David Tennant in a multi-doctor story. For all those broad church fans out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. like Chris Chibnall doesn't have some pull there. And it should be pointed out that Jodie Whittaker actually was has been nominated seven times for awards. She has no wins yet, but she was recently in 2006 nominated for Best Actress by the British Independent Film Award uh, for Adult Life Skills. She was nominated in 2006. It's an award earlier, I will never get. <laughs> ten years earlier for the British Independent Film Awards for the most promising newcomer for Venus. So she went in ten years, she went from being nominated as uh, most promising newcomer to nominated as best actress for, for that particular group. So, And like I say, she's been nominated seven times. Another thing I wanted to point out is when I was looking to see who she was, I came across one of her credits as Attack the Block. Have you guys yeah. seen this? No, but I've it, heard of it, but it I looks seen it. fantastic. It's a, I remember seeing when it came out. It's by the producer, Shoshana of the Dead. Yeah, and I've it, heard it's it, fantastic. It, she was actually nominated in it in 2012 for Best Supporting Actress by the Chainsaw Awards. So I'm, I'm curious. Potentially to see coming it. soon to a new installment of Beyond the Doctor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought if we did Broadchurch, we could hit two with one. That's Bro. true. We could. Yeah. <laughs> So he mentioned wardrobe. What do you guys think of... Obviously, she has come out and said that what she's wearing in the video is not what she's going to wear. Do you think it's going to be an androgynous outfit, or is it going to be more feminine? I don't care as long as she's happy with it. Me too. You know, Matt Matt Smith got to pick his wardrobe. Peter Capaldi got to pick his wardrobe. I think from here on out, if they're happy with it, that's what it needs to be. I I think from a practicality standpoint, it would be a mistake to put her in a dress and and heels. I mean, oh yeah, the doctor wakes up in the morning and knows. Made about companions in heels or dresses, and it doesn't make sense. So the doctor wakes up in the morning and knows what's on the agenda. There's going to be running today, (laughs) so I I look for pants. I'm fairly confident in my assessment here. Have you guys seen the Broadchurch meme that's already popped up of 
it's David Tennant running and she's behind him kind of trying to keep up and the caption says come on if you're going to be the doctor you got to run faster than that (laughs) (laughs) thanks Scott thank you Scott good to hear from you that'll teach you to turn off Wimbledon (laughs) (laughs) well let's move on to our reviews this week what should we start with doctor order or what we normally do. Okay, Doctor Order. No Man's Land. The Seventh Doctor Ace and Hex land in northern France in 1917 during World War One. At a British Army military hospital, the TARDIS crew find themselves investigating a murder which has not yet happened. Bump, bump, bump for the first <laughs> half. And I don't know. I, this was one that I was really intrigued by the premise. The fact that this letter was there saying there's going to be a murder. And the doctor's here and his companion's like, oh, okay. So then I'm running through every, you know, oh, the one guy, the lieutenant is actually the master in disguise. Or this, somebody's in on the, <laughs> and I just kept waiting for the thing. And then it just kind of became a, no, nah, it's kind of a run-of-the-mill standard historical that, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to work in the Seventh Doctor's era. And I really am getting tired of Hex in war situations. You know, that's my biggest that's... complaint about this, is I, th- I I actually enjoyed the story. Oh, that was good. I was the same way. I kind of wonder, oh, what's the intrigue here? What's the alien influence? What's going to happen here? Who sent this message? And then to, to get the twist in the middle for me was quite enjoyable because I kind of thought, oh, okay, we, we're not going to go down that road. We're going to try, you know, to keep this completely period, which I think they did a really good job until the end. My biggest problems with it were, number one, poor Hex. I feel, I really feel for the hell that they're putting this character through from story to story to story. Because not only did he have to go through that same thing with Cromwell. Cromwell? Cromwell. Cromwell. But he was put in the same situation here. And he always seems to be the guy that's put through the worst. And I can understand building on that as a character development item but it almost feels like it's drawn out too much you almost you feel like hex needs a, a little more of a heroic moment or a little lighter load for a story um granted i realize that ace has been around a lot longer yeah. and maybe even when she's put into those kind of situations we're a little more accepting because we feel like she can handle it and i'm not saying that i don't think ace uh, hex can handle it it just seems like every time he's written He's it, it's he's almost abused each time by the by the writer. I'm not just talking about the element that's happening to him in the story. The writer almost feels like he's a they're abusing Hex over and over again and just beating him over the head. And so I'm I'm getting a little tired of that. I don't think that it's been poorly done yet, but I'm just getting that's getting redundant for me. Yeah. The other issue that I have, and I think they tried to address this, is. There is the one element of the captain when he's relating his story to Ace, talking about waking up to the angel, and they address the angel, but we never—it's never revealed what necessarily that was. No, and I think really we're meant isn't. to believe that that was a faith thing for him, and that's also why he—you know—he pushes forward to help investigate in this this hospital, which was a nice little surprise. I didn't realize he had been sent there to investigate yeah. the hospital. So that was kind of cool. But I would I kind of wanted the angel element to be addressed a little more, and it wasn't. And so that was my, my two biggest complaints. Other than that, I thought it was an enjoyable story. There was nothing wrong with it. It was quite jarring that the doctor is sent there by this mysterious force to investigate, 
a murder that's going to happen. And so you sort of know the murder is going to happen, but you almost hope that they figure it out before the murder happens. <laughs> and for the yeah. murder to happen halfway through was, again, another change of pace for me to go, oh, okay, now we have to figure out who did it. Well, that's what I think one of the things that I was, maybe I just read way too much into it when Ace and Hex have the conversation about treading carefully because we can't change history because the doctor is so possessive of it. And we're here to prevent this murder or investigate this murder. I kind of wanted that whole, well, are we supposed to prevent it? Or is this preordained that it's supposed to happen? Yeah, and that conversation didn't happen. That conversation didn't happen. Doesn't now, happen, I mean, right. admittedly, at this point, this particular team, TARDIS, is fairly with it. And you've got Ace, so you, she counts for like five of other people. <laughs> <laughs> you just, maybe they didn't need to have that conversation. But I just, I felt like I was promised something that I didn't quite get. And then I had to readjust my expectations to go, oh, Run of the Mill was probably not fair. It's a standard story. It's not that it was bad. I just didn't quite live up to the expectations that I wanted. Uh, part of it for me, which fell down, was Ace. I get it's a it's a hex-heavy story, and hex is thrust into kind of the forefront through most of it. It felt there were times where it felt like, why is Ace being so almost cavalier about some of this stuff, or you think she'd be more be a bit more gung ho. Maybe I'm just expecting a younger Ace than what I'm actually getting. There's just something about her characterization seemed off to me. And I can't quite put my finger on why that is or what. Is that just in this story or has it been it was of just stories story. of recent? Because because I didn't see a change in her character since we've picked Hex up. Hex up. Hex up. Maybe, maybe it's just been so long since we've listened that to a be. Hex story that I didn't have my mindset for the right sort of Ace I was going to get. Uh, that could be. Because she seems to me to be sort of the one that's guiding Hex through this because of her experiences and because yeah. the Doctor's uh, always been... The Seventh Doctor's always been a bit aloof when it comes to the companions, especially with Ace. Uh, but even with Mel to a point when, when they're traveling together. And so I think Ace has become this surrogate... Not even a surrogate. This uh, intermediary in order to kind of get Hex up to speed. She's the older sister. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that I didn't see a change in that demeanor. Well, and maybe story. some of it was the fact that she has been doing that and has been doing it great through most of these stories. And this one, I didn't feel like she was doing leading him as well. As I think others. she's a little underserved in this story. Yeah. I think she's underused. Maybe that's maybe that's it. Yeah. And I was expecting more Ace, and I just didn't get it. Okay, I kind of agree with your guys' assessments. This is an enjoyable story. Uh, enjoyable is almost not the right word. It's a it's a fairly good story. It's sometimes a little tough to listen to it's just dark because of the times, contents. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously World War One. That is just dark. I mean, there's <laughs> no getting around it. It's kind of the same thing with Wonder Woman. It's World War One. It's dark. There's nothing. It's how it is. But it's how you write the story in World War One. And I think they did a good job of doing that. Yeah. Of trying to balance it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and the ideas used in this story that seem just well. I think they probably were ideas that were being explored in world war one they seem much more world war ii heavier so it almost gives it that edge of oh there's that alien influence of going on but it's not and that's one thing i really appreciated about it was i kept i did expect the aliens to keep showing up or being behind it and they weren't and Mm -hmm. that was one thing i did like that oh this is just uh, other than our 
main characters. This is a pure historical. I think what's fascinating is when Hex brings that up, that you know, this this isn't really something that was happening then. And the, and the doctor points out, well, this was beginning in universities here and here at this time. So he almost yeah. justifies the yeah, fact really that, that somebody might have brought it to the front lines. Well, and, and this is... We such... also... The, the other thing we have to remember is this ends with the doctor realizing that this is Forge. Yeah, that's true. And so, so is... it is almost alien influence kind yeah. of thing. It's it's early days of Forge, and that's what comes forward because they they never ultimately pin the Brigadier Colonel's involvement with the British Army. It's somebody else that has an influence right. here. And the Doctor discovers that, and we do set the stage for, oh, obviously Forge has been had something to do with this. So yeah. this, that ties into that whole Twilight, Project Twilight. And Project yeah. Lazarus stuff that not Project Lazarus. Yeah, Project Lazarus. Project right. Lazarus, yeah. Lazarus stuff that that has been peppered throughout the main range in the early days. And because it's World War One, it's so ripe for the exploration of even though it is a trope, and most times I don't, I'm not a big fan of it. Humanity is horrible. <laughs> this is ripe material and a ripe setting to explore that sort of thing of what this colonel is doing to these soldiers. And it's interesting that as dark as it is and as dark as that thought is, the doctor comes out on the opposite side of it when he's talking about how resilient the human mind yes, is yes. and how upbeat he was about it. Because he could have, he could have, especially being the seventh doctor, he could have gone right down that rabbit hole of, all right, here, you know. But, he, you know, he was positive about it, which I appreciated. I will also give them full props for being a historical of making me want to research something. <laughs> the Angels of Mons. I did not know this was a thing. When the captain's telling the story about an angel and Ace says, I've heard of the Angels of Mons. This little tickling went off in the back of my skull. I was like, why have I heard of that? Oh yeah, we read that comic. The Weeping Angels of Mons. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But wait a minute. This is not referencing that comic. This is obviously a thing. After. So I went and looked it up. Apparently, the Angels of Mons is a very popular legend about a group of angels who supposedly protected members of the British Army in the Battle of Mons at the outset of the First World War. There's a whole thing out there oh, on this. Oh, be darned. And so now I appreciate that comic even well, I, more. I, I, I do. <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate the comic and the connection, especially in namesake, to how they, why they, they uh, named it that way. But I also now am forgiving of the not addressing the angel even more in this because if this is something that's well known probably specifically more to the uk since they they were primarily involved with world war one with uh well and the legend Britain. is specifically british soldiers yeah. to protect. so yeah. I, now i think that was just a nice nod to that legend and i'm, I'm actually perfectly fine with the fact that that was included in this story and wasn't alluded to later or wasn't wasn't expounded on later yeah. so i'm fine with that so that was kind of a cool thing I Neat. learned today. Yeah. And anytime who can make me learn something, I'm appreciative of it. Sometimes I get it wrong, but <laughs> anything else on this one that you guys think needs to be I thought the supporting cast was I'm trying to think of the right word now. I thought the supporting cast did a great job. Uh, all the characters I was supposed to hate, I hated and the characters I I liked. That sounds like adequate. No. <laughs> I mean, all the, I, all the all the characters I was supposed to hate, I, I, I mean, hated. It. They did Sounds their job. To yeah. me. <laughs> I really hated Lieutenant Colonel Brooke. Like he really sold how like the evil is not the right word. And then the 
sergeant and the captain I, and how they're all of them are handled i thought not only in writing but performance i, I really enjoyed them i was impressed that for the size the medium sized cast that we've got they were easily told apart it took me a little bit but once i got there i was able to really not not just the designation of rank but the the, the tonal the, inflections the voices, and the voices yeah. everything was different enough that i was like oh okay this is a and now it helps that they would throw in a what do you mean sergeant just to make sure that you were yeah. on that same page but cuz sometimes you get a larger cast and you you have problems as lovely as a person and a woman that sophie aldred is when she goes to flirt with the guy <laughs> <laughs> hello you want to come outside and talk? It was just like, wow, <laughs> creepy. <laughs> You're really bad at this, aren't you? Well, it kind of it's uh, well, it kind of calls back to uh, Chris of Fenric. Yeah, that's where... all I can think of. <laughs> Go flirt with the guy. Like, like, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I like that it was her idea, though. Yeah, yeah. And it made you know Fenric gave her the confidence that she should be able to go <laughs> forth and do this. No. <laughs> Move on to the comics. Comics. So we start a new season, season three of the comics. The eleventh Doctor. The eleventh Doctor comics. Trying to pull up the titles, but I don't have them in front of me. Uh, Remembrance Part One and Part Two, Tragical History Tour Parts One and Part Two, and Time of the Ood. That's right. Only one part so far. Yes. That was another thing that I got through five comics, <laughs> and I thought if this one ends in the middle of a part, I'm gonna let I'm gonna tell Sean he can't schedule the comics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll handle the scheduling of the comics if this one breaks in the middle. And it didn't. It did. I thought. Well, although it does say to be continued at the end it of the did, last panel. It did, and I wondered, but I kind of well, felt so that the, said that, the same thing at the end of the issue four. Yeah, that, that particular story had ended, and I backed up and I noticed that one of the other ones said to be continued, and I think it just meant the season's continuing. I thought the the, the way the season kicks off was a really nice touch, considering how we lost Bowie since they kind of. I guess it's been longer than the, since they finished the last season, but. A nice way to recognize that fact and honor him still. I was not expecting them to revisit Jones. Me neither. Certainly not in the way that they did with a such a direct Bowie tie-in. I was fine with it. Yeah. I, I, it was just it was such it was, a pleasure it, to see him come back because it yes. was unexpected that yes. I was like, okay. And the the idea of the uh, the White Star album that changes when you put it in sunlight, which <laughs> that's what Black Star does, and it's like. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was all great. I was I was pleased with the Jones uh, stuff in this throughout the entire story. Yeah. The fact that they end up at his funeral after these trail of bread comes that is left for the doctor. And, and then the fact that he shows up in showing up two and Yeah, to help them the later. Yeah. I wasn't sure what to think of the opening scene of Remembrance with uh, Bessie's upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Only the 11th Doctor is what I could think of that. And I showed that panel to Mel, and she went, what is that? And I went, that's Bessie. She goes, is this an 11th Doctor comic? <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. She goes, okay, that figures. <laughs> There's a little bit of the fanboy in me that was squeeing a bit when that came up, and, and, and the reference to Bessie, and the fact that it has the Who Won license plate on it. And then there was another sense that kept grabbing me through this whole thing was how you could only do this kind of story in a comic because it's yes. almost a little too 
out there. It's a little too fantastical. Um, I didn't hate it because I think the story still kept me engaged, but I really kind of felt that it was getting a little too whimsical Mm -hmm. at times. Well, it's almost going back to that initial start of his uh, comic run where it was that giant multicolored dog. Yeah, yeah. It kind of goes back to that that. feel as opposed to last season where it kind of dipped into darkness. But this story never pushed the envelope too far for me. So I was Mm -hmm. really, I quite enjoyed it. I think the Jones elements, Jonesy elements kind of is what helped me through it a lot because it was nice to see the familiar face and the return for the two uh, issues for him to show up and help at the end. I even liked the concept of this one silence who is the most forgotten and the yeah. idea of, of creating, of seeding the memories, stealing the memories and then seeding them so that there's no way that somebody could forget. And so I kind of like this this little twist on... It's a rather whether... insidious idea when you think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, this twist on a rogue silent, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And what a, what a nice way to do a silent story while staying true to them, making something fresh. Yes. I even quite like the fact that the memories of Alice and the 11th Doctor are what seed the kind of birth of this new character who kind of considers them his parents, which I, I was neat. You mean progenitor. You mean Groot? Dr. Progenitor. And so I thought that was kind of neat. I liked that. And then when you get to the next set, first of all, they hook... Well, I'm going. I'm moving on here to Tragical, okay. <laughs> tragical History Tour, part one and two. First, they hooked me with a really cool Beatles tie-in title, and I thought, oh, that's neat. I'm going to really enjoy this. And then these two stories become far too whimsical for me. And suddenly we have changed the characterization of this new to this sapling sapling to this la la la. You know, uh, I mean, he's he's almost the goofy comic relief for a little bit there at the beginning. And then it's almost like the writers don't know what to do with him for a while. And then there's not enough done with him and then at the end becomes it becomes he becomes the foil which i think works okay if he hadn't started off as this whimsical comical little thing that they started out with then shoved him aside for a while in order to address and the whole concept of the slinky earth and <laughs> going back through time by walk i mean I give them credit for being original with the idea. It was something new. It was fresh. I have never seen the approach done this way before. So I had no point of reference of, oh, this feels like this. Because it did. It felt fresh and new. But almost maybe too fresh and new and too clever that I kind of stepped out of it and felt like the the unbelievability of it was just too much. That this this doesn't work in concept. Mm -hmm. Again... You could only do something like this in the comic. So they're <laughs> yeah. using their medium to that advantage. But overall, I didn't think the story was all that. Only to find out that it's a bunch of hippies in 1969 <laughs> that want to keep partying forever. It seemed to really kind With of the lose. the pink pa- parasite. Yeah. It sort of seemed to kind of lose. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of, sort of seemed to kind of lose its its oomph there yeah, at the end. It, it and then, does. yeah, the giant pink uh, salmon colored part. <laughs> it just... I. The doctor's moment of triumph, though, when they, they have that joke early, he goes, I'm, I'm betting it's a parasite. It's always a space parasite. He goes, what color? <laughs> Blue. No, no, no. Pink. I'm not allowing pink. Okay, salmon. And then the, the space hippies. And you're like, oh, 
<laughs> he's on like, that's, he's, like, that's what I said. <laughs> he's, he's so like almost put off disappointed. Like I can't be bothered with hippies. And then the thing shows up and he turns and shoots her the best look. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that was the moment that kind of crystallized for me that, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm, I can't I can be, it. I can't be too mad at anything that went on in this because you're just, it's a farce. You're just kind of having a, a, a row and going with it. Well, and as far as the sapling, it feels like they're revisiting Ark. That's a problem for me. And doing a new version of Ark from season one. M- much like having... Uh, oh, I didn't get that Moffitt, vibe, but I can see that now, yeah. Much like having Moffat recycle some ideas, the sapling very much to me feels like a recycling of, of Ark. That we've got this entity that could be immensely powerful and destructive, but Which probably I didn't, I didn't, isn't. I didn't get that kind of impression until the resolution of this, these, this two-parter. I can see that now. I didn't really pick up on that. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm Go, kind of hoping. Going back that... a little bit, how much did you pull your hair out at the very last panel of issue two, knowing how you reacted to Curse of the Black Spot? There's some big mystery. Oh well, we'll find out later. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's almost like that Doctor Who. For he's you done in the that. <laughs> he's, always, he's done that a little bit. In one we had that argument or not argument. We had that issue with him doing that in an earlier set of comics, and I can't remember in which incarnation. I'm more okay with it it if it's a plot element. If it's, oh, big scary thing and overarching story. Okay, we'll come back to that. I'm fine with that. It bothered me in Series 6, Day Day of the Moon, whatever the thing is, because there's a little girl at risk. That's the part that I still no, come back to. This is a brand to. new life form. It's a little child. But too. they, but he's with them. That's it's true. not like he's lost in New York, regenerating right. in an alley. Yeah. John you know? hasn't just, taken off. Yeah, it's true. That that that's the part of it that really sticks for me with series six is that there, specifically there's a child at risk, and the doctor dismisses that as eh, we'll deal with it later. And it's like no, you you don't get this the is, option. This of is doing the that. guy who was ending possibly an entire spaceship because a child was crying. Coming hot off the heels of having just watched Beast Below. Yeah. There's a child crying somewhere. Okay, fine. Go fix that. Oh, but the child locked in a spacesuit is not a big deal. So when it came to this, I was like, well, the child's with you. I'm okay. You know, that's that's fine. I think one of my other issues with Tragical History Tour is it's simply because I'm reading five issues in a day, whereas I'm meant to be reading month to month to month. But right in the middle, the screen shows up which is the silence, the, the rope yeah. silence. That's why I'm going to call him now Scream because he has well, that on his forehead. And Scream shows up at the end for this really intense cliffhanger. She sees him, freaks out, turns around, obviously completely forgets and addresses her neighbor again, which I can't remember his name, which is another issue I have with this story <laughs> as well, but only to have a really quick brief flashback at the very beginning of the last one. And then the Scream's not in this at all until, again, we are reminded of him at the very end. So He's kind of the arc for the, well, then, not I, the character, I think, but the... I think I can only excuse that because it's issued monthly and I suppose that's to keep the reader remembering who the big bad for this is going to be. But... I don't. They just uh, that that bothered me a little bit. That it's, you used that as your big cliffhanger, but then you didn't follow through with it in the next yeah. story. So the, the the cliffhanger aspect of it, I would agree with. So the, the, the other stuff is kind of like Anubis with series. Right. With right. Dr. Well, Tent true. Doctor. The reminder is fine. The reminder is fine, but don't make that feel like that's part of the big element of the cliffhanger, only to move on in the next story without addressing it. Yeah. So. 
maybe I just didn't quite understand the intent of him being there other than the whimsicalness of it and the fact that there were all of these different time zones that were stacking up on each other and they were coming to the, the neighbor who we keep who became kind of a funny little nod that they just kept picking up different versions of him because he was different ages but i i expected them to do something to be more of part of the climax of this thing if we're going to go through all this effort to set it up even if they even that. if they had been the reason to get the wall down which yeah. it seemed like they were starting they to, that. but he, then he remembers. Well, why don't can't you use? I mean, suddenly they just make him this genius that he can figure out that, that the doctor should be able to just use a sonic screwdriver and plow through the wall. I just felt like he was that was underused. If you're going to give us all of this wow and spectacle, let's do something with it. And I don't feel like they did anything. It almost, Other than they give them the little tender moment at the end. It almost felt like the writer had this grand idea for how all of these different versions of the neighbor were going to come together to solve the problem. And realized it was going to take three pages too many. <laughs> so instead, we'll just sonic the wall. And it's like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. He's fine as the setup and the MacGuffin almost to set us on this path of the story. It's just the fact that they keep him around. It doesn't seem absolutely necessary. Right. I mean, I like him as a character. Yeah, he's all right. But I kind of wish it was somebody we... I like them as a character, too. <laughs> <laughs> Splendid chap, all of them. So should we move on to uh, Time of the Ood? I think this may be the strongest one of this bunch. I, I kind of so agree. Too. They came up with a very cool, clever way of doing the Red-Eyed Ood. Ood story while still fitting it within the established Ood parameters. Yeah. To be quite honest with you, when I first started it, and I realized they were Red-Eyed Ood, I thought, oh, here we go again. <laughs> because I thought, this this is familiar. We've, we've done this territory. We've been down this road before. But to find out that they were disconnected from the song when the Ood were freed on the sphere and and went back to the sphere, I thought that was actually very cool because it's like getting another little nug of the story. It's not like we we left the Ood story to rest in the David Tennant era, and that was sort of the end of it. We haven't had Ood since then. But this kind of is a neat little, hey, it's not even consequences or repercussions, but one, some of the side elements of mm-hmm. this story, they deal with very nice and be a, a, a faction of Ood being cut off from their own kind and the reason why they are still this way. That was, they, I was, that was great to explore that. I thought that was really cool. And then the fact that they in turn tied it into the bigger story arc of the season that Ood Sigma used the Doctor's memories to trick him almost to change time yep i thought was a great twist on top of everything else i like the fact that there was a friends of the ood yeah <laughs> who was the villain yeah because it's very yeah. much set up like oh this is one of those companion audition pieces mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it isn't yeah i thought that i like that as well and another black hole this week yeah which I think was completely coincidental because this would have come out, what, in May? Yeah. So it was yeah. no way they would yeah. have even known. Yeah, just a little bit of serendipity on our part. Yeah. And we Alice like... wearing Nardle's uh, winter clothes <laughs> when they get to Ood's Sphere. She's got the, 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 the peacoat and the hat. So now we know where Nardle gets it. She leaves it in the TARDIS wardrobe at some point. And I have to say, throughout the entire, all five of these issues, Alice continues to be a high point for me. Agreed. I, Agreed. I really like their, Agreed. the chemistry they built together, especially everything they've gone through now. Yeah. The fact that they're still such good friends and 
work with each other and off of each other so well. I just thoroughly enjoy it. It's Agreed. nice to have them back on that great same page again. Agreed. As opposed to last season when they were almost at odds against each other. However, the portrayal of the 11th Doctor sometimes seems to be spot on and sometimes seems to be a caricature of the 11th Doctor, which bothers me because it's very uneven and inconsistent. And even within its own story. That I wouldn't have a problem if it was a, uneven from title to title or, or, or issue to issue, or I should say writer titled writer. story or writer to writer. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But there's almost this unevenness within each individual story of that. And as I say, he sometimes is spot on and very 11th Doctor-like. And when you're writing a story, I think you do have to be holding to what's already been established before. And then there's sometimes there he becomes a caricature of the 11th Doctor, where they just kind of stretched it a little bit too much, and it goes a little beyond what you would expect from at least Matt Smith's performance of the 11th Doctor. And so that's been bothering me a little bit in, this, in these five stories, probably least as much, and probably why I enjoy the last one the best, is because the least mm-hmm. of much where it happens is in Time of the Youth. Monster Truck Bessie, for example, would be, would be one of those Caricature, moments. yeah. Um, I don't want to dog on the artwork but in that same vein while i had commented when we first started reviewing these that i really liked the very whimsical nature of how the 11th uh, doctor was drawn that that whole comic felt whimsical and fairy tale for some reason these five i don't know they've kind of fallen off of that magical cartoon quality and devolved a little bit into caricatures of that magical cartoon quality and it's not consistent from issue to issue or even within issue that there are moments. It almost fifth... just seems a lot less polish on it, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a little more sketch. And I'm not quite sure if it's just... Uh, I, had, I didn't do, I didn't investigate to find out if this is a completely new artist to the title yeah, uh, or, or, or not. But I think that also contributed to my over, overall sense of underwhelmness with the, at least the first set of them was that they were just not quite what... I had become accustomed to. Arts never bothered me among the stories that much. I, I sometimes bring it up when it when there's something that really bothers me. Um, I can see what you're saying, and I can see that as well with the first four episodes. I think that the uh, fifth issue, uh, again, it sounds like I'm raving over this one because I like so many <laughs> things about it, but I think the simplicity of the artwork in that works for it. I and think I think so that it doesn't that, that you don't get that whimsical caricature uh, look in the art of that one, and I think it it normalizes it a bit, which I think also suits the story. Mm-hmm. And so I I can see what you're saying there with the four previous issues, but with this particular last issue, I don't I don't see that at all. I think the artwork's done very simple, but very good. Right. I know. I would agree with that. And that probably does lend to why I think the fifth one is the best one out of this particular bunch. Yeah. But I would agree. I don't mean simple. I mean simplistic. Simplistic's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. But overall, still enjoyable. It was yeah. fun to get back to some 11th Doctor comic action. Mm-hmm. I think one I of the agree. things that I can say for it is as disappointed I was and, and felt that it became very fantastical at times is I think that the stories were still compelling enough for me to keep going back for more. Because sometimes it... When you read, especially in chunks like this, if you're not enjoying what you're reading, 
it feels like a chore to get to the end, and it never did at all in this. Yeah, these no, they were stories, they were still so enjoyable. I, yeah, so well, um, I give them that. And it's kind of nice to return to the almost one-off or two-off story arcs as opposed to the one long ongoing story like we got last season. Well, it's kind of nice to return to the the more traditional storytelling. Specifically, for the, the last five or six issues of that last season, oh, which yeah. did run into each other. Because I think early on in the eleventh, we had, we had stories. I mean, we still had a log, large arc, and we also had a very crowded TARDIS as well. But they just tied very heavily as opposed to loosely. Yeah, like exactly. These. Yeah, I, I like going back to this. There's an overarching baddie, even reminding us, you know, at the very end of a story that he's there. But I agree; these really felt like standalones more so than we've had in the yeah. past. Didn't have anything else on these guys? That was. Yeah. It's a refreshing start to the new series, yeah. so, or this this year. Well, Sean, what's up next on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, for those of you who like to follow along at home, if you are enjoying Friday Night Who at our new time, and it seems from the attendance that the majority of, well, I'm not going to say the majority, everybody's enjoying it at an earlier time, myself included. I didn't think I would. Uh, but it's 10.30 Friday night for our weekly Doctor Who Watch Along. This week is Tom Baker in The Sunmakers. And then we are going to do some Candy Jar book reviews. So uh, initially, this is where we, we inserted a week on the schedule. Initially, we only had one week devoted to Candy Jar, but we decided there was just so much to get caught up on. We're going to go ahead and give them two. So this week's show, number 340, we'll take a look at the Havoc Files 3, uh, which is a collection of shorts, and the Life of Ellen's novella by John Peel. And then the following week, we will be doing uh, The Short Runaway Bomb by Nick Walters and the novel Lethbridge Stewart, Night of the Intelligence by friend of the show, Andy Frankamallon. So, so I think we're all looking very much forward to all of that, delving yes. back into the Lethbridge Stewart universe. It'll be good to get indeed, back. Indeed. Uh, the Friday Night Who, the following week, uh, we have Sunmakers this week. The following week is the first three parts of Colony in Space with uh, John Pertwee. Uh, and then we will finish up Colony in Space, parts four through six, the first week of August, and then be discussing Colony in Space, which is a new one for us. Because Sean finally got the DVD. Because I finally got the DVD, <laughs> so now we can put it on the schedule officially. And I know Keith's looking forward to more Third Doctor. Yes, always. Well, anytime I get to see some classic series I haven't seen, it's now very exciting. Because <laughs> that list is shrinking. Shrinking by the moment. <laughs> Well, of course, you can find us at TravelingTheVortex.com. And while you're there, please consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Uh, on the right side of the page, you'll see a button that will take you to a page where you can support us on Patreon. And any amount is welcome. 100% of those donations go back into this podcast. Also, there's links, links to other retail sites on that uh, side rail as well. And uh, consider clicking through there when you make your purchases because a portion of those proceeds go back into this show. And we also want you to check out our Traveling to Vortex merchandise store. Click on there. There's some things you can buy. Speaking real quick of the Patreon uh, uh, members, if you are a current Patreon member, first of all, thank you very much. We appreciate that. And we finally have uh, some, some added content coming your way. Uh, this is just a thank you, a little bonus for being a Patreon member. Keep an eye on your email. You'll be receiving information on how to access the awesome goodie, and that we hope that we will have more awesome goodies to offer you in the not-so-near future. But keep an eye out on your email, because I anticipate that going out this week. Keith, and how can they contact us? You can reach out to us by going to our website while you're there buying stuff. You can go to the Send Us Feedback tab, 
and just fill out that form or just send it to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or of course reach out to us on any form of social media we are out there all right well, that's gonna do it for this week guys until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc no infringement is intended or implied